You are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. So we have two very rich readings on the plate for this evening. I want to focus largely on the story from the Gospel according to John. Before I jump in, though, I should just say that the passage from 1 Corinthians has Paul laying the groundwork for that great teaching he will offer in 1 Corinthians 13, a chapter that literally sings. Now he's writing back to the Corinthian church community, a community that he himself had founded. Because he's received word that they've rather lost the compass when it comes to the matter of spiritual gifts, gospel freedom, and life in community. Essentially, Paul wants to call them back to a model in which what each person brings is valued as equal to what others might bring, And to remind them that in the end, what will matter is the love that they bear one for another. But we'll get there in a couple of weeks. For tonight, there's this lovely story offered by John. Before we dig into that story, it's good to remind ourselves of the unique nature of John's version of the gospel. Biblical scholars refer to Matthew, Mark, and Luke as the synoptic gospels. That word synoptic is from the Greek, meaning a seeing all together. Because there is a common timeline in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and much by way of shared stories in that order. John, on the other hand, is quite different. For one thing, in the final form, his gospel dates to about 90 A.D., whereas Mark is from the early 60s, and both Matthew and Luke come within five or ten years of Mark. John's timeline is quite different. Much of the material he includes is unique, including tonight's story, and his long view some 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, includes a sense of Jesus who was, in a way, during his lifetime, already being exalted or raised to the right hand of the Father in the heavens. Not that John's Jesus is any less human, mind you, for it is in his account that Jesus weeps over the death of Lazarus. You know, if you're going to ask John if his account was either more or less historically grounded than the accounts in those other three Gospels, he wouldn't have even understood your question. It's a very modern question, you see. Whereas these Gospel writers were most interested in telling you the truth they'd come to see in Jesus— such that the specifics of timelines, where events fell, even who might have been at certain events, like the crucifixion or the resurrection, 
just didn't worry them. Their real concern was the question, who was Jesus? And all the ink they spilled on the parchment was interested only in responding to that question. So, John begins this episode by saying, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Suppose that phrase, the third day, might sound some very particular notes for you. It should. Because although John is really just beginning his gospel account here, he's already actively anticipating the great third day of the resurrection. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. They are in the town of Cana, which was the hometown of the disciple Nathanael, who has just joined this growing little company of Jesus' followers. Cana is about six miles from Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. The fact that his mother Mary was at this wedding suggests that there were strong lines of friendship or perhaps even family happening here. As John tells the story, Mary evidently has some significant connection to the family because when the, quote, the wine gave out, something that should never happen at a Jewish wedding of these times, she turns to Jesus to inform him. His reply can strike us as very abrupt, maybe even a little rude. He says, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. Not mother, but woman which seems an odd choice, right? But it's the same word he will again use from the cross when he commends her into the care of the disciple John. He says, woman, here is your son. And looking at John, he said, and here is your mother. Yet with those words, my time has not yet come, we watch as John begins his artful way with words. That phrase points first to the time not yet being right for him to make a a public manifestation of himself. But also it points to the time when he will offer himself as the Lamb of God for the sake of the world. That time is not here yet. Then we watch. Mary goes, she presses on. She says to the servants, Just do whatever he tells you. (laughs) Sure enough, Jesus rises to the occasion. He tells the servants to take the six stone water jars that have been set aside for the Jewish rites of purification and to fill them with water. Lots of water. John has noted that each jar held 20 or 30 gallons Lots of water. And then he said to those servants, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward, which they did, and, quote, 
when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, and then parenthetically, though the servants knew who had done this. And I love that note, that the servants knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine, the cheap plonk, after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Well, aside from those servants who are nobodies in the big picture, and these brand new disciples, this little group who've been watching, and of course Mary, Nobody has a clue as to what's just happened. The newly married couple are saved from the disgrace of running out of wine at their own wedding. The guests keep on celebrating. The steward is deeply impressed by the caliber of the wine, and the festivities just go on. And yet John is careful to add that this was the first of Jesus' signs which revealed his glory to the little group that actually knew what had happened and his disciples believed in him. Water into wine. It is such an evocative image, isn't it? Water from those jars set aside for the purification rites in Judaism. And it is poured out as abundant wine for all of the guests to share. In a sense, it's a striking image of how the old covenant is brought to its fullness in the new covenant struck by Christ's life, death, and resurrection. The line connecting the old and new is actually amplified in this image because it begins with the purification jars and ends with those jars becoming the vessels of the richest wine. The old is not thrown out or dismissed or cast aside or ignored, but instead the old is transformed and renewed. John has given us a soaring image of what will come. It is why, incidentally, we cannot ignore the texts and traditions of ancient Judaism, the books of the Old Testament, The lines that connect the old to the new are both clear and fluid. And while there are parts of the old that leave us kind of scratching our heads in wonder, we have to know that our newness, too, flows from something much older and deeper. It's why we read these texts. I am put to mind here of the writings of Makoto Fujimura, whose February 5th session with us via video has been postponed due to the current wave of the pandemic. But it will take place in good time. And maybe that's okay, because it gives us all the opportunity to contemplate at least part of what Makoto will bring to us when we can gather. Two of our in-house St. Ben's book groups have been working our way through his book, Art Plus Faith. 
And both of these groups have now read a chapter in which Makoto covers a Japanese art form called kintsugi. Now, I, I so wish I had a piece of kintsugi pottery to show you. But I'll make sure that we have a, a good image posted on the website with this sermon. That word kintsugi comes from the Japanese kin for gold and sugi to connect, gold connecting. In his reflections on the art, Makoto offers the following. He writes, A kintsugi master mends the broken teaware with Japanese lacquer and then covers it with gold. So it's, it's taking broken tea bowls, mending them, and then covering the mended part with lines of gold. He continues, Kintsugi does not just fix or repair a broken vessel. Rather, the technique makes the broken pottery even more beautiful than the original. As the Kintsugi master will take the broken work and create a restored piece that makes the broken parts even more visually sophisticated. No two works done with such mastery will look the same or break in the same way. So too, he says, so too the biblical passages of restoration. When one contemplates a piece of kintsugi, it's hard not to see what Mako is pointing to when he refers to the biblical passages of restoration. And I now find it hard to not see the connection of that pottery to this story of the wedding feast at Cana. That which is plain like water or preserved for older ritual practices like those jugs becomes new wine, the best wine, celebratory wine. And that which is just a broken piece of tea pottery becomes more beautiful than ever through the binding, renewing, beautifying work of the artist. It strikes me that during this 22nd month, of this COVID pandemic. Those images are more important than ever to keep in view. We live with a lot of plain water and chipped pottery these days, maybe metaphorically, maybe quite literally. And so now more than ever, we need to lean into such images as these entrusting the broken pieces of our world into the hands of the Master, open to seeing beauty in the broken places of our lives and our world. It takes patience, hope, and a willingness to lean on one another for the support and care and love that we need. And so we shall. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. 
For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.